0: Wait, Did you that? see that? <laughs> what? Yeah. What is this? What? Oh my gosh, what's going on? I don't know. This is the part that's scary because nothing's happening. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <up, let's> oh,
1: <laughs> Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> no! <laughs> no that was scary that was scary that was scary
1: it's time for girls and ghouls okay let's talk about it
0: hi hello hi Hank Horton Hank Horton (laughs) Hank Horton here's a who (laughs) who is Hank Horton Hank Horton I can't stand it I love it (laughs) our new favorite yeah Erin gave me this really cute little um handmade hedgehog that she what did you it's, it's crocheted yeah but it's called something right amigurumi yeah I can't say that word so that's why I wanted you to say it <laughs> <laughs> but he's so cute and he's a hedgehog and so I decided to name him Hank Horton and I can't say it any other way <laughs> Hank Horton the hedgehog
1: It's literally the best name
0: ever. Hank Horton the Hedgehog. I love him. (laughs) Best thing ever. So you didn't
1: sleep last night. No. And it's not even for the usual reason because I was like tired. You know, I had a day. It was a busy day. But uh, yeah, I ended up only sleeping for about two hours, which was really nice. Really nice. That's always fun. It was really fun. It was my fault. It was completely my fault. Um, <laughs> what did you do to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> so I I was doing some research just to because I wanted to tie up some loose ends, you know, try, like trying to figure a couple of things out. Um, because what I was researching, there were lots of facets to. And I made the sad mistake of at like 1130 going into uh, like leaving the EVP world and going into the video world. And for some reason, tired went, yeah, this is this is pretty scary. But while I was watching it, I was okay. Like I wasn't like, oh my God, this is the worst. So then I go upstairs, I go to bed, the lights are out, and I'm like, I got that crawly feeling. And John's like, You're fine, you're fine, go to sleep. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, do you hear that? So we get a storm. We got a storm. There's rain. You know, things are blowing into the house or, and the house is just making like the general like settling noises. And every time a noise would happen, I'd pop up and I'd have to be like, OK, it's just a storm. It's just a storm until about 2.30. Mm, and all of a sudden, my doorknob starts shaking.
0: And uh-uh. not, On
1: your bedroom? Yeah, not quietly. <gasps> so I immediately go, oh, it's probably Gideon trying to get in because he'll come and crawl into our bed, you know. And I wait because it's not like he has a problem opening the door. It's not locked. Um, but nothing happens. He doesn't come in. The jiggling stops. And I go, am I in one of those weird, like, awake dreams? Like, what's going on? And I'm trying really hard to not wake John up to be like, hey, uh, I heard a sound. And have him be like, it's the weather. You know, the way he does where he writes everything off. Right. And then it starts, it's the weather jiggling the interior doorknob. <laughs> yeah. Then it starts again. But it's not like, like someone's shaking it as much as it sounds like something is smacking it. Like just tapping it really hard over and over and over again.
0: Oh, hell no. And
1: I'm like afraid to move because of what I had been researching. And, you know, all the stories about doors open and close and, you know, all of that. And... I pull a blanket over my head and I'm just like, this is the end. This is it. <laughs> but I, I'm still like not waking John up because I don't want him to be like annoyed. Cause he's, and he's impossible and useless anyway, when it comes to like things in the house, he'll be like, well, hold on. Let me fix my hair so I can go check. Um, every time I tell that story, he goes, that was one time. <laughs> but then it keeps happening and it gets louder and louder to the point that it wakes John up. And I'm sitting there like shaking because I'm so scared and oh I can't God. sleep. And i like, what is going on? It literally gave me chills.
0: I literally just had chills.
1: And John goes, is Gideon trying to get into the room? And he goes and he opens the door and there's no one there. Oh God. And he at this point is like, that's really weird, but okay. And he like, You know, it must have been Gideon. He went back to his bed. It's fine. You know, not a big deal. And I'm like, no, that wasn't Gideon. Gideon is not, like, he's not subtle. He's not going to be like, oh, guess they're asleep. He's just going to burst in. Mm -hmm. It keeps going. And every time one of us goes to the door, there's nothing there. And then finally, after a few hours of this, and me being convinced that Satan was residing in my toaster, (laughs) it starts again, and I hear...
0: Oh God! So John I was wondering.
1: Leaps out of bed, rips the door open, and both of my, like the younger two of my cats, are there. There's one with paws under the door, and then Oliver <laughs> is smacking the crap the doorknob, <laughs> doorknob, trying to turn oh,
0: it back in. God.
1: And I was like, "Are you kidding me? Are oh, you kidding me? Oh my God!" So John was like, "You were the one that wanted cats," and he goes back to sleep. <laughs>
0: so that was my night oh man I don't know that would be terrifying though it really was because I mean I am extra paranoid like to the point where when I get to my to what I'm sharing in this episode today there was one piece of it that I decided not to cover because I didn't want any bad juju to attach itself to me so I was like I'm not gonna talk about that (laughs) I think you have to because I started researching it and I was like yeah no I'm not mm, we probably did the same story (laughs) no I doubt it mine is actually three stories okay but they're kind of all related okay yeah so Um, yeah and so you sent me a funny story I well I mean not funny but not funny haha but like that's weird not funny haha but like that is (laughs) weird Yeah, you sent me a story. Police find it is kind of it's funny. It's kind though, of funny if you He's think of an it. idiot. Police find, yeah, he police find Amazon reviews left by alleged killer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, police in South Carolina have been investigating the life of Todd Collip, and in the middle of that search, they found disturbing details about his life. He's accused of kidnapping Kayla Brown and killing her boyfriend, and he may be linked to deaths of up to seven people. <sighs> So he's a pretty sick dude, Um, but they found his Amazon account where he left a four star review for a knife that reads, haven't stabbed anyone yet, yet, but I am keeping the dream alive. And when I do, it will be with a quality tool like this. (laughs) Nobody saw that as weird. (laughs) I mean, well, but see, here's the thing on Amazon, though. If you go on Amazon and there's like, there are comical reviews on everything. Yeah. People do it as a joke. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to tell that this guy actually it. Mm-hmm. He left a review for a shovel that states the item is, quote, good for hiding bodies. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, he's left reviews for tactical gear, padlocks, targets. Um, the user gave another review to High Security Lock saying, quote, place is Hotel California now. Oh, and he did That's say. That's uh, He did. I know. He did say he did not enjoy the book called A Sniper's Guide to Hitting Your Target. <laughs> oh. oh <I'm>, <laughs> so apparently that? he's not a very good uh, shooter. Mm-hmm. So. At least we know that. Yeah. Like, if he's got a gun, you're probably safe. Knives <laughs> it's on the gonna other hand. not going to hit his target. Knives on the other hand, he's got you covered. Shovel. Shovel. He can, yep. He's good. Yep. So there you go. I thought that was pretty funny. Funny, not funny. What but funny. funny. Like, what
1: in the world. Yeah. What a weird thing. I don't think I've ever heard a story where they were like, we found a criminal. And his Amazon reviews pretty much gave it away.
0: Mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of funny. Um also a quick little <clears throat> side note. Um, we still want you guys to email us, like continue to email us your creepy, creepy, weird, whatever stories. We've got a couple that are pretty freaking fantastic. Yeah. And we'll share those with you soon. But we'd really like to have a few more so we can, you know, fill a mini episode with some stories. So you can email us um girls and ghouls podcast at gmail.com. Send us your you're weird, you're paranormal, you're odd, freaky, creepy. Yeah. Ghosty with the mosty. <laughs> Whatever. We don't say, yeah. Beetlejuice. Mm hmm. Yep. So who goes first this week? Is it me? It's you. It's all you. It's all me. I got to move my cookies. <laughs> I got to move my cookies out of the way. My snack. <laughs> it's my snack for later. Okay. So, mine is, um, I'm actually going to talk about three different haunted dolls. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I'm already scared of dolls. Oh, my gosh. But these are three haunted dolls. Oh, my gosh. Um, I started my list with five. Mm -hmm. One of them I took off because I couldn't find a whole lot of like legit information about it. Mm -hmm. It was literally like one little website that said, here's what happened. And I'm like, that's not enough. I want like several resources to back it up, you know? So I took one off and then I started researching another one and his name is Harold. And the more I read about Harold, the more I decided not to talk about him in detail because there have been people who have simply done research on him and then weird stuff starts happening. So I was like, no, nope, I'm not going to not going to open oh, that can no. of worms. Yeah. So uh we're not going to talk about him today. So, I am going to talk about Robert Mandy and the ever famous Annabelle. Have you heard of Annabelle? Yes. Yeah. It's not at all like the movie. No, I've never it's seen it. Actually, the movie. it's way worse than yeah. the movie.
1: Yeah, way worse.
0: Um, we're going to save her for last. <laughs> oh my god. Let's okay. Try. So we're going to talk about Robert first. Um, okay. So there have been a lot of bizarre circumstances around Robert the doll. Mm -hmm. Um, he's earned the reputation as quote, the most haunted doll in the world, which I'll have to say, Harold probably rivals that. He's pretty creepy. We're not talking about Harold. No, I know. But Robert, (laughs) Robert's creepy. Robert's really creepy. So he belonged to, um, so, okay. There was a family called the Ottos, O-T-T-O, the Otto family, um, in, the keys in Florida um, in the very early 1900s. Um, they were known to be really stern with their servants, sometimes even mistreating them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had this one particular Haitian servant um, that they ended up treating badly and then firing her. And it's said that that woman gave their son, Robert a doll and the son named him Robert after himself. Cause he was made in the child's likeness. Oh. <clears throat> um so before she left she gave their son this doll in 1906 so the son's name was robert eugene something something like Mm -hmm. robert eugene otto and he decided that he was going to name the doll robert and he was going to start going by the name gene even though his mom was like you're weird whatever but yeah anyway it is weird how old is this kid it is I don't know. I couldn't like, he was really young when he was given the doll, but I'm guessing maybe six or seven. Oh, I don't okay. know. It doesn't say Kids are weird. I couldn't find his birthday. Yeah. So anyway, um, so apparently the Haitian woman was fired because she was seen practicing black magic. Oh, That's kind of the story. So anyway, so she gifted Robert to Jean in 1906 before she left. So Robert is one of a kind. He's handmade. Um, from a like from a company in Germany around the turn of the century, he's forty inches tall, so he's pretty big. That's a big. Dog. He's over three feet tall, like he's bigger than a Cabbage Patch Kid. If you guys know Cabbage Patch Kids, Holy he's cats. big. Yeah, uh, he's stuffed with wood wool known as excelsior. He's dressed in a sailor suit, and he once bore painted features not unlike those of a jester, so kind of clownish features favorite. on his face. Yeah, very. Because, you know, I love them clowns. Um, so th- that's why they think that he was fashioned in the image of the boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the doll took Robert as his name while the boy simply went by Gene. Together they would go on to make history. Mm. So here's where some good stuff starts happening. So anytime the child, Gene, would get in trouble He would blame it on Robert Mm -hmm. all the time. I mean, kids do that, right? So that's not really out of the ordinary. I didn't do it. He did it. Yeah. Um, So it got to the point where Gene's parents and even visitors to their house, they would hear him talking to the doll, which is still not unusual child behavior, right? But they would also hear an unrecognizable voice answer him. Yeah. What? So they, yeah. So like the, the kid and the doll would be talking away and having conversations and they didn't know if it was Gene like doing a different voice Mm -hmm. or whatever. So still at this point, we're not like super creepy weird, but it's getting a little like, yeah, it's just odd. Like, and the fact that the doll is so freaking big. I mean, that's just weird to me too, that it's 40 inches tall. Yeah. Like it's just creepy to me anyway. Um, A lot of Gene's other toys were found mutilated or destroyed, which he also blamed Robert on those things. So whether he was just getting kind of crazy and lashing out, I don't know, but he blamed it on Robert. Um, This is one of the creepiest things. Neighbors, especially children, claimed that they would see Robert the doll peeking out of the window (sighs) of the house. Like different windows. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they'd see him looking out of the house. Um, There's even a story that an aunt convinced Jean's parents to get rid of Robert. Um, The doll was moved to the aunt's attic, and soon thereafter, she was found dead of a stroke. What? Mm -hmm. Robert's like, you ain't coming between me and my boy, my boo. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
1: Like, did it, like, um, how long okay. it take between her getting Robert and
0: I don't know. They don't have like specific yeah. timeline. Ooh. It just says soon thereafter. So Robert yeah. is a bad boy. <clears throat> Robert's a very bad boy. Okay. So time goes by. Robert's in the aunt's attic for all these years. Um, Gene, the child, grew up and he became a really prominent artist and he finally passed away in 1974. So he was an old dude when he died. Um, I'm guessing he was around 80-ish. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, his home became known as the artist's house mm-hmm. in the Keys. Um, and the doll was in the attic the whole time. Um, future tenants and visitors said that strange things happened when they were in the presence of the doll. Right. Um, A lot of people said that the doll had a voodoo curse. Um, Others said that the doll absorbed a lot of emotional energy from Gene when he was a child and that it eventually came to life. These are all just kind of assumptions. Um, So people who lived in the house after Gene died would hear footsteps in the attic. Um, A a plumber heard giggling and turned to find the doll had moved across the room on his own. (gasps) No. Yeah. Um a reporter visited Robert the Doll and said, "Quote, it was like a metal bar running down my back. At first when we walked through the door, the look on his face was like a little boy being punished. It was as if he was asking himself, who are these people in my room and what are they doing to me?" What? Um they said his expression would change what and it was like he was listening to conversations and they would look at him and he would have different expressions on his face um, oh my gosh that's really creepy yeah, yeah um so this reporter um like I said, he noticed a change in the doll's expression when they would change when they would talk about different things, and so anytime that the child came up in com or that the doll came up in conversation, the doll appeared to be listening very curiously. Um, He said the doll, he, the reporter guy, he said, there was some kind of intelligence there. The doll was listening to us.
1: (gasps) Whoa. How do you even Mm -hmm. like,
0: how do you even reason with that? I know. So this woman named Myrtle Reuter, who I love that name. Her name was Myrtle. That's a great name. I bet she was like the sweetest little lady. Myrtle Reuter bought the auto home and she became Robert's companion. She loved the doll um Mm -hmm. kept him with her even when she moved out of the house she took robert with her um and then in 1994 she donated robert to the fort east martello museum claiming that he moved around the house on his own and was haunted um she died a few months later but robert remained active so now he's in this museum and he's been on exhibit And there are reports. So first of all, when they first put him up in the museum, he was kind of close to the front and he was in a case with other dolls. Right. And every time people would come to the museum, they would always point specifically to Robert and say that he just made them very uncomfortable. And so throughout the years, he's been pushed further and further back into the museum. And he's in his own case now. He's not with other dolls. And so he's still there and he's still out and you can go visit him. Right. Um, but he's not like front and center anymore cause he creeps people out. Yeah. Um, but they said that, um, you have to like ask permission to take his picture. What? Um, yeah. And cameras and electronic devices will malfunction in his presence. Um, and they get letters every single day of people apologizing to Robert for something that they said or did when they were in his presence. So apparently, like, if you make fun of it or mock it or say this isn't real or anything like that, like, something will go home with you. <laughs> and you have to apologize to Robert. He's pretty creepy. And so, uh, funny story. Um, have you ever watched the show Jack and Ozzy's World Tour or whatever? It's Ozzy Osbourne and his son oh, Jack, yeah. and they go all over the United States. Yeah. They visit Robert the Doll. mm and it's kind of funny because you can buy a replica, a smaller version replica of Robert the doll as like a keepsake souvenir kind of thing. Yeah. And so Jack Osborne bought one and he kept it in the RV that he and Ozzy were using to drive around the country. And within a couple of days, the RV that they bought just completely died. Oh. And Ozzy, the whole, it's so funny because the entire rest of their trip, he blames every bad thing on Robert. And Jack's like, you gotta stop saying that. Don't listen to him, Robert. He didn't mean it. <laughs> like all this stuff, like the whole rest of the trip. It's so funny. Oh my gosh. But yeah. So that so that's Robert's doll. That's just one of my stories. That was like the least creepy. What? Believe it that's or not. The, least? the creepiest part to me, yeah. The creepiest part to me is that people would report seeing the doll himself like staring out the window at I you. I don't like that. You know, like that's just freaking creepy. That is creepy. Ugh don't like it. Yeah. Okay. So doll number two that we're going to talk about is Mandy. Mandy the doll. Mandy. So, um, okay. So let's see. She was donated to the, I'm probably saying this wrong, so forgive me listeners, the Quesnel and District Museum in British British Columbia in 1991, and it was already more than 90 years old when she was oh. donated. Really old doll. Okay. Um Almost immediately, people thought that she was really creepy. Um, she would give people a really uneasy feeling. Now, Mandy looks like, um, I even have a doll like this, and her name's Elizabeth. She looks like one of just these old baby dolls, like bald head, you know, uh, cloth-stuffed arms, but with the hard hands. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Almost Cabbage Patch Kid-like, yeah. but really old. Um, but Mandy's face is broken, and scratched and stuff and all and like one of her eyes almost looks like it's protruding a little bit. Like there's just like a lot of creepy stuff going on. Yeah. So, um, when the owner donated her, she told them that she was very fragile. Um, and the reason she was donating her was because she didn't want her younger daughter playing with it and damaging the doll further. Okay. That's what they were told. So she was taken to the museum workroom and they started doing some maintenance before they could put her on display. you know, like they had to clean her up yeah. and make sure she didn't have like, because she's so old, they also had to put her in a plastic bag and let it sit for overnight to see if any bugs would come out. Right. Um, like just, you know, fleas yeah. or anything, any kind of infestation. So they had her in the bag and the workers said that they would hear the bag rustling around. hmm. And the doll would be in a different position when they would look at it. So like she's moving inside of the bag. Oh. Um, so once they got her cleaned up and they got her inspected and everything, they had to photograph her and leave her in the lab overnight. And the next morning when the staff came back to the lab, they found that the whole lab had been messed up overnight. Um, some smaller objects had been thrown across the room. um, some larger objects had been pushed over different things like that. And she herself had been messed up. So like her clothes were messed up and she was in a different position and whatever. Um, And they said that that would happen regularly. Anytime they would leave her alone, she would just mess stuff up in the room. Eventually a psychic came to the museum and inquired about Mandy, the doll and asked if she could hold her and see if she could pick anything up cuz she had heard these stories now cuz after some time in the museum people started talking about this doll and like something's going on or right. whatever. So upon reading upon reading the doll the psychic said that the doll had suffered a lot of abuse. Um but it was not the doll who was still suffering it was the spirit that inhabits it. Oh. So Um, they started digging, the curator of the museum started digging into the history and she went back and talked to the owner who donated the doll and, and all of the stuff. So it is believed that the doll was found in the cellar of an old farmhouse when a passerby heard someone crying only to find the body of a little girl clutching the doll. The little girl had been dead for a really long time, so they don't know where the crying was coming from. And they don't really know how she got into the cellar, whether she was put down there as punishment or if she got lost and ended up there and ended up dying there. They don't know the story. Mm -hmm. Um, But the man heard crying and had to pull up cellar floorboards to find the girl with the doll. Um, When the curator visited the previous doll's owner, that's when she, she found out that it wasn't because the woman was worried the daughter would, you know, damage the doll further. The woman was terrified of the doll. She was very fearful of the doll. Um, She didn't want it in her house anymore because she was scared of it. Um, The woman said that she would hear crying coming from the cellar when the doll was in her house. Um, She would investigate to find the source of the sound. Nobody was there. The cellar's windows would be open and the doll would be on the floor. Um, it began to happen more frequently and then she donated it. And the woman even said that the very first night that the doll was no longer in the house, the crying stopped. Oh my. Wow. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's Um oh. The creepy, creepy, creepy Mandy. It's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. Oh. It's very sad. Very creepy though. Like I hate dolls anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Dolls creep me out, and the fact that there's these haunted dolls out there, it's just Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I don't like it. My friend, I remember in high school, I would go spend the night at my friend Lauren's Mm -hmm. house. And she had there was like her bedroom was like this huge loft room, and she shared it with her younger sister. And their beds were on opposite walls and faced each other. And so when I would spend the night with Lauren, we'd sleep in her bed. And we'd be facing her sister Megan's bed. And Megan had a shelf above her bed with all these porcelain dolls on it. And it was so freaking scary. I hated that because I would lay in bed and just like I could stare at them. (laughs) And they looked like they were looking at me. And one of them was like a jester doll. And I'm like, it was awful. I hate, I hate dolls so much. They're so scary. Like Cabbage Patch Kids, I'm good. That's different. (laughs)
1: Kind of yeah, but these—I
0: don't know—these creepy, like the creepy old dolls. Those are scary. All right. Yeah, and I have oh, one. It's yeah. in the attic, and and Elizabeth is not creepy, but she kind of is. Like, she just looks creepy because she's old, but nothing weirds ever happened with her. So, yet. thankfully, yet right? Like, she'll be walking around in the like, background hey, of the video up? here in a minute. She's like, "What's up? I got down from the attic on my own. It's all good." <laughs> Um, God almighty. I'd have a freaking heart attack. No, (laughs) thank you. Um, okay. So I've saved the scariest one for last and I have two pages of notes just on this one. Um, so this is Annabelle. Annabelle was made famous from the movie, the conjuring. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's actually now a movie called Annabelle, um, in the movies. Annabelle is a fairly large doll. Yeah. Um, with long hair and a dress, and almost like -like human-like traits or whatever, but really creepy looking. Annabelle in actuality is a Raggedy Ann doll. She's a really small Raggedy Ann doll. Mm -hmm. Um, so she's got the red yarn hair and whatever. I know, know, right? Mm. Um. And Annabelle is an actual doll that Ed and Lorraine Warren keep in a case in their house and they do it for a very good reason. So Ed and Lorraine Warren, I don't know if you guys are familiar with any of this, but Ed and Lorraine Warren were very well-known mediums and paranormal investigators in the seventies and eighties. So there's a lot of very famous hauntings um, like uh, Amityville, they actually looked into Amityville and they also looked into, um, what was it called? There was, there was a really big haunting. Um, well, it's what the movie, the conjuring is based off of. So it was this family with five little girls and like all this crazy bad stuff happened. And Ed and Lorraine Warren researched that one as well. So they're, they're like really well known and they have like, anytime they find objects that they deem to be unsafe, or harboring a negative entity, they keep it and they lock it away so that it can't hurt anybody. Yeah. And Lorraine Warren has been quoted many times saying that her faith is the only thing that keeps her going. Like she has to just pray constantly because there's so much evil surrounding what they do.
1: Yeah. Well, she's like Um, a devout Catholic too. mm -hmm. And which always always intrigued me because she is a very strong Catholic or was a very strong Catholic, but her husband is a demonologist. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wonder like that, what that life must have been like, you know? And yeah, that they, they're a, they're a very interesting couple just on their own. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're very, like they're very happily married and they work really well together. And um, I mean, I think, as a Catholic, I think she believed very strongly in angels and demons, yeah. and so she knew that it was like her calling. She and her husband felt like they were called to rid people of these, yeah, really bad entities. Um, so this particular doll, um, she's not the frightening-looking porcelain doll that you guys see in the movie. She's actually, like I said, very classic Raggedy and doll, red yarn for hair. Um in 1970 a mother purchased the Raggedy Ann doll from a hobby store and gave it to her older daughter Donna as a birthday gift which I find that a little weird but whatever maybe the girl was into Raggedy Ann at the time it's 1970 who knows mm-hmm. but the girl was actually old enough that she had her own apartment with a roommate oh um so yeah that's why I was like that's just kind of an odd gift but whatever um so the girl's Donna and her roommate uh Angie, there we go. Donna and Angie, they had an apartment together and shortly after Donna was gifted Annabelle, um, she would put her on her bed, you know, and they just started noticing that the doll seemed to move slightly on its own. Um, like they would come home and her arms would be crossed or her head would be turned a different direction, little things like that. Not enough that they would really think much of it. Like maybe I left her like that and I just don't remember. Right. Right. Um, This is where I would get freaked out. They would come home sometimes and find her standing upright (laughs) (laughs) by herself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like that's a little odd to me because she's a raggedy Ann. Like if you've ever seen, and I know some of the people who listen to this may not be old enough to know Raggedy Ann. Ann. It's like a floppy doll. It's a floppy doll. It can't stand up. You You can't position its arms and it stays that way. Like it's a floppy rag doll. And so they would come home sometimes and the doll would be standing up at the foot of the bed. Um, so like not even... So, Anna, some. No, not even, just standing in the floor. Standing in the middle of the cool. floor. And they're like, oh, what's up, Annabelle? Did you have a good day? Did you scare anybody? What's up? Okay, I'm going to burn the house down I now. Mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's freaking creepy. Yeah. So, okay, Donna sometimes said that... Um, she, like she would leave the doll on the couch and go to work and she'd get home and the doll would be back in her bed with the door closed. She just
1: needed, she needed some quiet time. Yeah, she just needed some me time. Girls got to get her naps. Yeah. Right. It's self-care.
0: I mean, how can self-care. she give
1: to others if she's got <laughs> nothing left to give?
0: <laughs> That's right. She didn't sleep good the night before cuz she was too busy standing up all night. <laughs> Who else staring creepily? No, I- at Donna, and it would
1: be nice if she got a little bit of appreciation for the sacrifice that she made for Donna. And Donna's... I mean, it's hard. Her. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. seriously, so. just let the girl have a nap. Jesus, gosh. So then, okay, so they had Annabelle for about a month, and then Donna and Angie would come home, and they started finding messages written on parchment paper. Parchment paper. Okay, what they? They did not own. Okay, so they she... did not own. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the messages would say things like help us and help Lou. Lou was Angie's friend, boyfriend, friend. I don't know if they were like romantically involved, but he was a friend of Angie's. Okay. Um, the handwriting was like a small child had written it. Um, Donna never kept parchment paper in the house, so they don't even know where that came from. Um. Okay. Parchment paper depot. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um. I mean, I guess you know that's why she had to take naps. She was making. She would run out to Home Depot. She get some. She'd go to like Target. Paper. Get some sharpies and parchment paper. She'd leave little love notes on the, all over the and house. That's hard when you don't have like fingers, you know. She's like full right? body writing. And she, you know that like she probably didn't get picked up if she was trying to hitchhike. So she just had to walk. Bless her.
1: Actually, it sounds like she Poor does Anna need Bell. blessed.
0: <laughs> okay. So one night Donna came home and she found that the doll had moved again. It was in her bed. Um, seemingly from nowhere, you ready to get a little creeped out? No, but okay. Seemingly from nowhere, a liquidy red st- substance appeared on the doll. Um, like it looked like blood. She found spots on her back and some spots on her arms. Um, scared and desperate, Donna and Angie decided it might be time to call in an expert <laughs> at this point. Well, I mean, I mean, the doll's bleeding. The standing up wasn't enough. Right. Yeah. Standing right. up wasn't enough. The handwritten notes on parchment paper, that's not enough. It's the blood. It's the blood. Look at you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... Um, This is when Donna was introduced to the spirit of Annabelle Higgins. The medium told the story of Annabelle to both Donna and Angie. So apparently Annabelle was a young girl that resided on the property before the apartments had been built. Mm -hmm. And they were, quote, happy times. Um, She was a young girl of only about seven years old when her lifeless body was found in the field upon which the apartment complex now stands. Mm -hmm. So, Lou who Annabelle wrote notes about already. Um, He wakes up one night at his own house and he's in a deep sleep or he wakes up from a deep sleep and he's panicking. He has just this really horrible feeling. Okay. And he kept having this recurring bad dream, but this one felt really different. So he wakes up, at least he thinks he's awake and he felt like he couldn't move. His body was completely paralyzed. He looks around the room. He didn't see anything out of the ordinary. And then all of a sudden, hold on, I'm getting chills. This is really creepy. All of a sudden, he looks at his feet and he sees Annabelle. She crawls up his body to his chest and stops and starts strangling him. Oh my gosh, like Chucky style. Yeah, mm. so he's paralyzed, he's gasping for breath, he's at the point of asphyxiation, and he blacks out. He wakes the next morning, he he swears it was a dream, but it felt really real. And he's determined that he's going to get rid of this doll and whatever spirit possesses it. Because now it's like, this is like, shit just got real, it y'all. followed him <laughs> home. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it had been writing notes about him. Yeah. So it had like attached himself herself to Lou. So, okay. So the next day he and Angie are getting ready to go on a trip together and they're like, got their map out and they're like planning their trip and whatever. And they start hearing a rustling in the apartment. Okay. He goes to investigate. He doesn't see anything. And then in a flash, he starts grabbing his chest and he's doubled over and he's bleeding and he's cut He's got cuts on his back. He's bleeding, whatever. Okay. His shirt is very quickly stained with blood. Um, he takes his shirt off and his chest had claw marks on it. Distinct claw marks on his chest. Three vertically and four horizontally. And they were all hot like he'd been burned. Oh. And it said the scratches, however, healed very quickly over the course of like a couple of days. Right. So then they call in the big guns. They call in Ed and Lorraine. They're like, listen, we got some weird stuff happening. It's time. Like, what's going on? So Ed and Lorraine Warren come over. They talk to Donna, Angie, and Lou. Um, They came to the immediate conclusion that the doll itself was not, in fact, possessed, but manipulated by an inhuman presence. They said spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. An inhuman spirit is an entity. Okay and it can attach itself to anything. So they knew at this point that whatever is inside Annabelle is not good. And it's not, it's not a little girl who had happy times. It's something really evil. Um, So they said the spirit probably manipulated the doll and made it friendly at first to just get attention. And when they started giving it attention, that's when it could like sink its claws in literally. Um, the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. Yep. Yep. Okay. So things escalated. Um, They said that had Ed and Lorraine not come in, the next phase would be a human possession. Oh my goodness. Complete possession. Um, They, they gave it another two or three weeks. They're like, if this had gone on for even like two or three more weeks, one of you would have become possessed um, if not harmed or killed. Right. That's what they told them. They're like, one of y'all probably would be dead. Um, So at the conclusion of the investigation, the Warrens um, felt that it would be best to have uh, a priest come in and do an exorcism on the house. So they called in father cook and he came in to cleanse the apartment did an exorcism blessing. Um, he said the Episcopal, uh, the Episcopal blessing of the home is a wordy seven page document that is distinctly positive in nature, rather than specifically expelling evil entities from the dwelling. The emphasis is instead directed toward filling the home with the power and of the positive and of right. God. Um, so Donna requested that the Warrens take Annabelle with them. She's like, I've had enough of this. Thanks mom, but no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So she's like, really, I'm, I'm kind of freaked out. So they took the doll. They left the house. Ed Warren puts the doll in the back seat, and he agreed that they would not take the interstate because they didn't know if something would happen while they were driving. So they didn't want to take the interstate and possibly kill a lot of people if they got into a wreck right. or whatever. His suspicions were all too correct In no time, the Warrens felt themselves as the object of a vicious hatred. Every time they would go around a curve, the car would swerve and stall. Every time. Oh, my gosh. Um, The power steering and the brakes would fail. Every time. Every curve. And uh, they almost collided with other cars multiple times. Um Ed reached into the back seat into his black bag and took out a vial of holy water and doused the doll making the sign of the cross and the disturbances stopped immediately and they were able to drive home safely. Wow. Yeah. Um okay. So one of their very dear friends ed and lorraine's dear friends was father jason bradford who was a catholic exorcist priest he was a catholic priest but he was very well known for performing exorcisms he came to the house to see the doll um and it was seated in a chair at first he picked it up and said you're just a rag doll annabelle you can't hurt anyone and he tossed the doll back into the chair and ed immediately said that's something you better not say Um, upon leaving an hour later, Lorraine pleaded to the priest to be careful driving to call her when he got home and she really felt like something bad was going to happen to him. So a few hours later, he called Lorraine and he said that his brakes had failed on his way home in the middle of a busy intersection. And he was involved in a near fatal accident that totaled his car. (sighs) Wow. Yeah. Um, so they built a case and put Annabelle in the case so that she couldn't do any more damage and move around. Um, they said that she doesn't appear to move anymore, but, um, they think that she's responsible for the death of a young man who came to visit the Mm -hmm. museum. Um, he and his girlfriend rode their motorcycle to the museum and he started kind of mocking her. He's like, whatever, kind of like the priest did, you know, he was very defiantly banging on the glass and Ed Warren was like, you have to leave. You can't be here and doing that. This, this is real stuff. Like you can't mess around with this. Um, On the way home, they got into a really bad accident and the young man was killed instantly when they hit a tree. Then the girlfriend survived, but she was in the hospital for over a year. Oh my gosh. So that is the story of Annabelle. Annabelle's terrible.
1: Robert. That's a terrible. Oh, and that's, that's just horrifying. And I, um, I love Lorraine Warren. I think that she's such an incredible, like human being. And um, Mm -hmm. I forget why I was reading about her, but I read so much about her life history and, and why she does what she does. And just like thinking about, having something like that with you all the time like and choosing mm-hmm. it just to, you know, help others. Yeah. They're doing it to protect other like, people from the evil. That's, that's incredible.
0: And takes a whole lot more, um, <laughs> I don't know, fortitude than what and I the have. And the fact that, the fact that they have both seen and experienced so much evil and they still have such a strong yeah. faith. I mean, that's, that's very powerful. Very powerful. And I think, I I think maybe part of it, too, is like they know that this much evil exists because they've experienced it firsthand. So it's like the only thing that can balance that is the presence of good. And the most good that you can have is God. And so, you know, they keep that balance. I don't know. I, I just it's terrifying to me. And I wouldn't be able to do what they do. No. And I love, I love
1: that they actually did create, and I know that there was some controversy around them having that um, museum, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the, the whole point of it is to show that like that evil does exist. It, it's real. Mm-hmm. It's, and and that's something that we don't often talk about. Um, everybody wants to talk about the positivity and the good and, and all of that, but it is something that you have to be aware of, especially when you're, you know, talking about like,
0: ghost stories and stuff like Mm -hmm.
1: you don't really want to get a haunted doll because it sounds cool
0: yeah well and one of the ones that I was researching I'm trying to remember which one it was I can't remember but one of the ones I was researching that I decided not to do he was like being sold on eBay Hmm. and people were amping up the price because of the story of that that people were saying that he was haunted and they're like, I want a haunted doll. And I'm like, really? Why, why, why do you want to even tempt that? It's super fun to tell the stories. It's not super fun to live it. Obviously. mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, especially if it's not just haunted. And like Lorraine said, Ed and Lorraine said a person, a spirit from a person will not inhabit an inanimate object. Yeah. You know, so if you have a doll that's quote unquote haunted, it's actually possessed by something not good. Yeah. And that's even more terrifying. Like if it's just like grandma hanging out in my doll <laughs> and she's over there and like, I'll read you bedtime stories. That's fine. But grandma's not going to be a doll. Grandma right. will just come visit sometimes. And bake cookies. And bake cookies. Oh, that would be the best. Best haunted it- ever best haunting ever she like tucks you in kisses you good night and she's like i'll have fresh baked cookies when you get up in the morning sweetheart and then you wake up and there are like endless
1: chocolate chip cookies There's cookies i just love amazing it. that that's a
0: haunting i can get behind <laughs> a banana pudding
1: yes a haunting i can get behind my grandma
0: yeah my grandma made some good banana pudding <laughs> I'd be down with that. I do. So funny story, since we're talking about grandmas, I like to talk about my grandfather really quickly after he passed away. My grandma, my grandma and Papa died within six months of each other because I swear my grandfather died of a broken heart. Right. Grandma had a heart attack. Papa died six months later. Um, I remember being in their house like a little while after he passed away. Mm hmm. And I was laying in bed and was just starting to wake up in the morning. And I heard my grandfather fixing his cereal in the kitchen. He always had Chex cereal with a spoonful of sugar sprinkled over it and half a banana sliced on top. And so the sound was like, I knew what the sound was. I could hear it, you know, when he would fix it in the morning, because I would stay there in the summers. And so every morning I'd hear him fix that. And I heard him fixing his cereal one morning. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. He came to visit. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So that was that was my creepiness this week. Creepy, creepy. That is creepy. That's mm-hmm. You know what? I really hope the little Hank Horton here Hank Horton. doesn't become. Hank Horton. He doesn't become possessed. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find him crawling around on the floor. Ooh.
1: <laughs> nope. Ugh. No. What if he was just like no, a Hank. fun one? Like he was like dancing and stuff, you know, nothing great. <laughs> dancing.
0: A dancing hedgehog, that would be cute. You'd have to yeah, it'd be <laughs> fine. It'd be fine. Uh, <laughs> <ha-ha>. <laughs> just,
1: uh, well, funny story is that my story isn't a doll, but it does there. There are toys in this story. So we were like the same wavelength this week. Mm -hmm. Um, And the story that I have is from a, it's a pretty infamous story, but I had to cover it because it's just, it's so much. It's so much. Um, And it's not super long ago. Like this is not terribly long ago and it's not over. Like it's still happening. What? Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I like this already. Yes. So, the uh, story that I picked for this week is on the Sally house in Atchinson, Kansas. Have you ever heard of this house?
0: No, I have not. Oh. I don't know this one.
1: Okay. This is a really good one. This is it, it's only slightly terrifying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, the
0: Hallie, the, the Hallie, the Hallie house. The Sally set- the house. <laughs> They speak in nothing but pig Latin. Pig Latin. It's terrifying.
1: (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) Bye. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> um <laughs> No, so the, the Sally House is in Atchison, Kansas, and Atchison, Kansas is a smaller town, um, but it is pretty well known for being, like, spiritually active, um, most of the places. But the Sally House is by far the most famous and probably most violently, and I mean that very literally, violently haunted houses in Atchison. Um, it was built in 1867. And it's a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house that was built for a man um, named Michael Finney. I think that's how you pronounce it. It was for him, his wife, and their three children. Now, at this time, the house was a perfectly normal, happy house. Just a house. You know, nothing crazy about it. There are no stories about it. Um, They lived in that house until he died in 1872. Now... Because it was built for his family, and he did have three children, and he had a wife, the family occupied the house until the last descendant died in 1947. Um, and then you burn it to the ground. you burn it to the ground. Because after that, many people have died. Because they, they have on record that at least four members of the family died in the house. So... Nope. Nope. Burn it down. The last Finney to actually live in the house was Dr. Charles Finney. And Charles turned the front room into, um, like an office of sorts. And, you know, you could go in and, you know, get checkups and everything. And the story, there are a few stories about what happened to Dr. Charles, um, but one thing is, is absolutely the same in every story about what happened is this, a woman frantically showed up at his door in the evening with her little girl in tow. And the little girl had apparently collapsed at her house. And, uh, it was allegedly a neighbor and the little girl collapsed in the house and was just doubled over with severe abdominal pain. So she, you know, brings the child in and, you know, is frantic, please help my daughter. I know it's like dinnertime, um, So Dr. Charles, being the upstanding citizen that he is, is like, of course, and diagnoses the little girl with appendicitis. So this child is in severe pain, and he believes that her appendix is about to rupture. And in this period of time, this is like early 1900s, it's not as easy to come back from that. Once the appendix ruptures at that time, you die. That's it so he knows that they can't go to a hospital they can't go to an operating room they have to do whatever needs to be done right there in the house so this little girl who is in tremendous overwhelming pain um he has to sedate her and he holds her down and he gives her a sedative and begins to do the surgery unfortunately the sedative did not work And while she was paralyzed and could not really like move very much, she was awake. And.
0: Oh my God.
1: Right. So that's, that's the story about, about her, uh, you know, having that happen because eventually what happens is she, um, she goes into shock and she bleeds out and dies on the table. And. It's so
0: sad. It's very,
1: very sad. That's one version of that story. The other version of the story is that Dr. Charles really wasn't the upstanding citizen that everybody thought he was. And that the neighbor was a black woman that he had been having a relationship with outside of his marriage. And the daughter that was brought over was his daughter. And he did not want anyone else to know because of the time period. This was, this was something that, you know, we, I mean, we all know how, how it was back then. You did not have interracial relationships. It was really, you know, it was just an unfair time. Um, but he being the not upstanding gentleman that he is decides that his reputation is a far more value than proper medical care and decides to do the operation there in his house. Um, and, He does the operation, the little girl dies. They believe, not necessarily by accident, but this is speculation, and that the mother, who they don't have any record of, was murdered by him as well. Again, whoa, again, this is, these are two completely like contradictory stories, and there's no proof either way because there weren't records kept about you know, who came in and who he operated on. And there has never been a body found for either person. So speculation. Um, but after Charles died, they opened the house up to the general public. They put it up for sale. There was no one else who wanted to stay in the house. Now that is a little bit confusing because you know Charles had a wife he had kids that could have taken the house they could have kept it in the house but everybody was like nope I'll I'll pass and they sold it so they sold it and over many years between 1947 and 1993 occupants came and went they could not keep someone in that house because of what people would say strange occurrences So no one wanted to really live there. Um, Until 1993, a couple, Tony and Deborah Pickman, um, moved into the house. They bought it. They were really excited. A young couple. They've got a baby on the way. And they are eager to start this, like, new chapter of their life. So they bought the house. And first, it's, you know, a normal old house. It's got its creaks. But they start to prep for their firstborn child. And they've put the nursery together. And it's... Full of teddy bears and dolls and just toys, you know things that you would have for a baby coming. And they would come into the nursery and see that the teddy bears and the dolls had been arranged in a circle on the floor in the middle of the room. Oh hell, right. No. So Deborah, it's like the teddy bears are having a say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Deborah is, you know, at first like. Okay, like maybe Tony did this. You know, he put them in there just to, you know, because there there were stories, you know, rumors about the haunted house in Atchison. Um, but they didn't believe in that sort of thing. So obviously it, it, there was some other explanation. So she would put the toys away. She'd pick them up and put them away. And they would always end up back there. Sometimes within less than a minute of her putting them away, they would end up back on the floor. She doesn't like this very much, and she makes it very well known that she doesn't like this and that this is concerning to her, but they they bought the house. You can't just like up and like, oh, you know, we're a young couple with a baby on the way. We're going to move out of this house. We're going to sell it. So they continue to just try to live with it. Tony comes home from somewhere. He's in the kitchen, and he turns around, and he sees a child in his kitchen that he described as an adorable little girl, but... She wasn't there for real. Like he said that she was kind of transparent and it scared him. It terrified him despite the fact that it was a child. Um, he runs upstairs to you know tell his wife what, what he saw and she, he can't even speak because he's so afraid because he's never experienced anything like this in his entire life. And Deborah is like, listen, you can't talk. Why don't you show me? And he sketches a picture of what this little girl looks like. And adorable little girl, you know, curly hair, a bow, just precious child. Um, after he sees her for the first time, the activity in the house starts to pick up. He'll come downstairs. They, they would like leave their room and all the pictures would be turned upside down on the walls. Oh my
0: Picture
1: God. Picture frames would be shattered. Um, just lots of things like that. <clears throat> Eventually Deborah goes that, you know, they have their baby and Deborah says, we can't put this baby in. Mm-hmm. We're not going to put the child in there. Um, so they bring the, the baby to their room. They keep the baby there. And they think that that'll be fine. That'll be what, you know, that's how they'll handle this. And they'll be able to sleep. And it'll be good. Except that when they move the baby into their room, the activity moves into their room with the baby. The um, The lights. Come on in the middle of the night, and then we'll shut back off. And Sally starts to show herself more often. She starts to pop up more often for the two of them. They see her. And it's not like, oh, there's an orb. Oh my God. It's a
0: full child. Walking around. Oh, my God. Looking at them. Ghost children freak me out. Have I said this? I've said this on every episode. Yes. Ghost children are terrifying. Yes. So
1: um, they, at this point, go, Okay this is a problem. We can't, we, whatever is here, we have to take care of it. And they happen to have a friend, um, that had visited and they were talking to their friend. Her name is Renee. And Renee is, uh, she, she calls herself a bit of a psychic, a little bit of a medium. She can, you know, feel energies and stuff. She live. they live in that area where like, I think everybody's a medium at some point. Um, (laughs) but she says that, um, she sees as she's walking in, she sees a man sitting by the window. No one else can see this man, but her. She sees a man sitting by the window. He's described as a, a shadowy figure, and he stands up and walks to the kitchen. And she goes to follow, and there's no one there. Nothing.
0: She just wanted to see he, he was
1: a hungry, he was a hungry person. So Renee sits there and says, you know, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I do sense a lot of spirits here. And um they're not just spirits, but there's, there's some evil forces at play in this house. So Deborah and Tony are like, okay, you know, we've got God on our side. We can do this. We'll deal with this. We'll, we'll sage the house. We'll cleanse the house. So they, they go through with the cleanse. During the cleanse, Tony is violently attacked in the middle of it with oh. witnesses. He is scratched and, and hit so hard that he comes out of his boots Oh my God. Out of his boots. He's on the ground and he, he's not moving. Deborah being, you know, the loving wife that she is, runs over to help him up, but he is being physically held down. She can't get him up. He can't get up. Renee is sitting there pleading with whatever's holding him down to let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Eventually after franticism and, you know, begging and pleading, the the force lets tony up off the ground and he's able to get up but things are never the same after that once that happens tony is attacked all the time scratched burned by nothing and there are photos and videos of it happening where he'll be standing there oh, and hit, like his back will start to bleed and there'll be it looks like like a cougar got him just clawed him up mm-hmm. they Realize they can't, They, you know, this is this is not a child they're dealing with. It's bad, especially when, um, as they continue to live there, because they're, again, they're really hesitant to try to sell their house and move with a child and, and, you know, do things that they really need to do. <laughs> they don't know what to do. Um, mm-hmm. Tony, at one point, is lying on a couch and he sits up, looks at Deborah, and in a voice not his own, said to her, He's mine. And then fell back down.
0: Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope.
1: Deborah is scared and with good reason. Because at this point, Tony has mm-hmm. started thinking about killing her. Tony wants to slit her throat. That's all he can think about. And he doesn't know why. And it drives him crazy because he's also got that side of him that's like, you love her. What are you doing? But he has this compulsion, this just deep-rooted need to kill her. And at that point they both go, okay, we're leaving. We're moving. We can't do this. He left the house. They, they moved out of the house and they never experienced that again. When they sold the house, there had been some rumors about what was going on in the house. And, um, a woman bought it and the woman was a self-proclaimed, satanic worshiper and she bought the house apparently because she saw that there was something evil there and she wanted to make it stronger and better so god she the the belief is because when they after she left the house apparently she took things too far she started having rituals in the basement currently, like if you go in the house now, there's a big black mark in the basement where they say that she had put a pentagram on the floor and was doing animal sacrifices in the basement. Yeah, that's healthy. Super healthy. Normal normal stuff. Normal neighbor
0: stuff. It was fine. Um, Chip parties. uh, Yeah. Mixer. Yeah. Bring your own squirrel. (laughs) kind (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So she's, um, she starts to do animal sacrifices in the basement. She eventually leaves the house and um, it's purchased by someone else, but not resided in. No one wants to live there because the activity is so bad and it doesn't stop with just those people. Um, they had a uh, Peter James, one of the like big mediums of the nineties, you know, he had stopped by and a member, a local member of the law enforcement had uh, popped in to make sure that everything was on the up and up. You know, there are a lot of people prowling around this pretty much vacant house and the medium as the police walked in said, you need to leave now, just stop dead in his tracks. And the medium says that he needs to leave because Sally doesn't like him and if Sally doesn't like him, Sally will hurt him. And the police officer said that it was like bone chilling and that he had been a non-believer until he stepped into that house and felt what he felt that it was cold and just dead and not right. So he, he left um, the tour, the tour guides, um, one in particular, when she does tours of Atchinson because Atchinson is very known, it's known for its haunted history. She does tours. She, if she goes into that house or around that house, she will leave covered in bruises every time. And her belief is that um, that it's not the house necessarily that is bad. And it isn't Sally in the house. It's something attached to the ground because a lot of the activity seems to start in the basement. And the basement has this hole in the wall that leads to, um, it's like a, it it looks like kind of like a hill, like there's tree roots and stuff in it. So, um, she believes it's the ground and she does not like going. And she refuses to do tours that because people want to go down to the basement, they want to see where the, you know, the satanic practicer was doing rituals and stuff. She refuses. But uh, she goes into the house with a TV crew, because, you know, TV crew will get people to do anything. (laughs) And she said, I don't know if I should say this, but you are going to get the story that you wanted. And they don't like you being here. And that's the end of that. They go in, this TV crew, because I think it was Ghost Adventures. they, They go in, and they are able to pick up laughing, singing, and they, and this is just like during the pre, like we're going to do some pre-work, some, like is this house safe for us to be in? Well, they decide, because I'm going to be honest, I think this dude's a crazy person. I think he's, I think he's nuts. They decide that they're, they're going to provoke whatever is in the house. Now, they've already gotten proof that this entity, whatever it is, is completely evil. It's causing physical harm. It's possessed a person pretty much. I mean, for him to for Tony to sit up and be like, "Oh, he's mine." And then to be plotting to kill his wife, like that's that's not a little girl ghost, but they're like, it's fine. They go to Tony and Deborah. Don't you love that yeah. weird shit happens? It's fine. It's fine.
0: fine. It's fine. It. So
1: they go to, they go to Tony and Deborah's house. They track Tony and Deborah down and Tony and Deborah have vowed to never go back in that house. They don't want to, but the host of the show asked them to, they're like, you know, we'll all be together. You'll be safe. You know, you're not moving in. And lo and behold, they agree to go back in, which I think is crazy. But they want to see if it's just I know mm -hmm. they want to see if it's something attached to them, I guess. Not only do they bring Tony and Deborah, but they find a child medium, a little girl who claims that she is able to communicate with the spirit realm. She's like 12 and they go, hey, we want to bring you, too, because Sally's supposed to be a little girl and we think that you will be able to communicate with her better than an adult. She'll be more inclined to talk to you. I, I honestly think that this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, by the way. Like, as a mother, I would be like, no, you're not going. But her parents are just like, yeah, go. Be in this house with a, you know, demon. <laughs> so <laughs> they all go in. It's fine. It's fine. You're good. Fine. You're a strong, independent you're 12-year-old. We'll see you at dinner later. Yeah.
0: Just be home. Be
1: home by dark. <laughs> so they all go in. And immediately, Tony is starting to panic because, I mean, he's got a level of post traumatic stress, obviously. Um, yeah. But the medium says that she senses a heaviness and a very young female, but something else, she says, or something not right about the very young female. And mm-hmm. at that time, the cameraman starts complaining that his arm is hurting. And he thinks that there's like a bee or something that's gotten like lodged in his shirt. So someone takes the camera from him. He pulls off his, he's got like a flannel on over a t-shirt. He pulls it off and a, sc- a scratch starts coming down his arm. Oh, dang. And he's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. At the same time, the medium, the little girl gets so like ill. Like you can see it, like the color drains from her face. She starts sweating and she has to sit down. Um, and... She looks over at Tony and she said, whatever the bad entity is, it wants Tony in the basement. And Deborah's like, if you go down to the basement, you know, it's, it's going to be chaos and you can't do it. And he said he, he I guess he decided he wanted to do it because of like the closure. He wanted to be like, look, you know, you don't have control over me. So they go down to the basement and. Tony and Deborah are sitting along the wall. Like the cameraman's down there. The medium is kind of walking around and she jumps a little bit. Like you can see her physically jump a little bit. And she goes, he's, he's laughing. I can hear laughter, but it doesn't sound like a human. And he's talking. And the voice apparently said, um, how do or how are you now, Tony? Or how is this now, Tony? And just starts taunting Tony. So she's sitting there like telling him like, this is, it's provoking you. It's trying to provoke you. And they've got a camera and it's one of those like night vision camera things. And she starts to go woozy. Like she's like about to fall down people, the The little little girl, girl. Um, a lot of the people that were there rushed to grab her. But in the video, you see Tony jump and grab the back of his neck and he's looking around. And then the girl said, we need to go upstairs. We need to go upstairs now. So they go upstairs and Tony's like, Oh my gosh, like something happened. It feels like I'm burning. And they look at the back of his neck and he has a welt, a burned welt across the back of his neck. So they oh went and they, they did all of this looking at the footage. Cause they were like, did he do this to himself for like attention? Nothing. He said, it felt like a hand grabbed him on the back of the neck and burned him. And that's what was, that's what was there. Um, He leaves. They leave. They're like, they're done. They tell, they they say out loud, you are not going to control us. We have God on our side. We are not going to continue to be around here. You need to go back to, you know, go back to where you came from, where you belong, which isn't in in this house. The little girl, the medium leaves too because she can't, she doesn't want to be there anymore. The camera crew stays (laughs) because they're, you know, idiots. And they start provoking, you know, if you're here, come out, you know. Everybody else is gone. Tony's gone. It's just us. Don't you want to come out? Sally. And they're still talking to Sally, which the medium, the little girl is like, this is not a human. This isn't human. Um, But they're still talking to Sally and they're filming. um, At some point, the host of the show, and I don't know whether or not he's like a fraud. I know that everything else that was shown was, it was real. Um, But he says that he can't move. He feels he's like frozen and in, in his tracks and that he can hear singing and they get this thing where uh, I don't know if you've seen it. It's like, they call it the like, what is it like the ghost puck or something where they send out messages with their computer and an entity can use their computer or like use their energy to send words back from a database that they have very quickly. Um, but they keep asking it who's here is sally is sally here and the computer program keeps popping back relax sir relax satan
0: oh relax. my god yeah. what
1: so after <gasps> ending up scratched they've got someone who's scratched they've got a host who's pretty ill they've witnessed toys moving because the <laughs> they had stuffed animals in the room the stuffed animals were arranged in a circle and one of the bears just started moving around all on its own. Um, They've got, you know, EVP recordings and there's one recording in particular where you can hear a voice, just not (laughs) nothing human sounding, um, but it's nothing that was there that they would have done. They eventually leave and they're terrified, terrified. Um, Other people ended up after the show in the house um, where they have heard the same stuff, where they have been pushed, where they have been scratched, um, where they'll hear the singing. Uh, One person in particular said that he went there and the curtains caught on fire in front of him. Oh, my. So the house was uh, the house is vacant. It was never repurchased. They've tried. They listed the house for... um, they put the house back on the market in 2016 in January. They started it at a million because it's super famous. You know, it's like one of the most famous houses Mm -hmm. there and no one will buy it. People will come see it, but they're so scared of what's in there because they don't know what's in there. Well, they know it's in there. (laughs) Um, The owners, the people who own it, they don't live there. Um, They have, they have a website and they've, they come right out and say it. They say, we've determined that this is not the spirit of a little girl. This is demonic. And we can't get rid of it, so they're very upfront and honest. You know, um, they have an entire website where you can go and you can listen to the EVPs, you can watch the videos of people being, you know, attacked in the house. So people know what they would be getting into if they purchased it. Um, but the current owners were really desperate; they really wanted to get rid of it. So over the course of a year, they they dropped it down to half price. <laughs> so it was five hundred thousand um, dollars, and still no buyers and eventually took it off the market. And now it's just a vacant rotting house, um, that you can't go in because it's dangerous, like really dangerous.
0: Wow. Yep. That's terrifying. It is.
1: It's, it's absolutely horrifying. Um, but Tony and Deborah are, you know, fine now. Um, the one thing that they did come to believe is that the little girl really was there, but they believe that the little girl was there to warn them about what was Mm -hmm. in the house and to leave. Um, But again, speculation, the only thing that is absolutely for sure from everybody that's come in is what's in there. Most of the time is really evil, really bad.
0: See, that's creepy. And you hear like, you hear stories like this too. Where, and we talked about this with Annabelle, where it's something evil, but it starts off as kind of sweet almost. Yeah. And it's just to like draw you in. And so, I mean, the little girl could be like that too, where that's still the demon. Yeah. But it's like, hey, I'm friendly. I'm a sweet little girl. Yeah. And that's come play with me. And then, you know, it draws you in and you get comfortable and they, can take over right
1: yeah and from what I was uh what I've been reading about that particular thing because if you if you notice there's a like recurring theme with child ghosts and evil entities it's always in the same place mm-hmm. and a lot of people go oh they can control them right a lot of people believe that it's um that it, it's you know a, a, the evil entity has trapped this thing um, but there's a whole host of paranormal researchers and mediums and uh Lorraine and Ed Warren are two of the people that that talk about this is that um, evil forces will use human weakness to get in. And if it's a parent or a mother, especially Mm. they'll present themselves as children because um, according to like religion, children are not supposed to get stuck in between. They're supposed to just be granted immediate access into an afterlife. Mm -hmm. And that's a good point. And when we, as women, because women are so naturally maternal, we see a child, like the Veliska Axe Murder House. It's a really good, a really good example. Women go in there. They bring toys. And I was watching videos on that. Um, Women are talking to them like, it's okay, sweetheart. You don't have to be scared anymore. Mm -hmm. But on the same token, you know, people growing into the house going, there's something really evil here. And they go, oh, it's the children they are trapped.
0: Like. Might not be that. (laughs) That's, you know what, that's a really good point. And I, I never really thought about it like that, but it makes sense. And I mean, I'm a Christian, you're, you are too, you know, and, and that's what we learn is, you know, children are, they have a direct route. Yeah. They just go, you know, because they're still innocent. So that makes sense. But at the same time though, I, you know, we also learn as a Christian that, Well, at least what I've been taught is that, uh, basically all of our souls are kind of like in this rest Mm -hmm. until the second coming of Christ and then he'll bring everybody up. Mm -hmm. So that, and we, we know like the Bible even speaks to how powerful Satan is and how powerful his demons are. And so, you know, it makes me wonder too, like, is it possible for those souls at rest to be trapped to be controlled because he is so powerful. And even if they're trapped right now, we know who's going to win in the end as a Christian, you know, we know that there's going to be the second coming of Christ and we'll get to heaven and all this stuff. But it's, I don't know. It's so freaky though. Mm -hmm. Either way you think about it, it's terrifying. If it, if it actually is the spirit of a child being trapped by something evil, that's awful. Mm -hmm. If it's, even using that to get to our weakest point, that's awful. Like there's not a good there's outcome. There's no
1: good answer It's, there. Just,
0: it's terrifying. It's
1: just, it is. It's super terrifying. And I think it's super terrifying that the house is just, that it's stayed that way. And that um, as much as they've tried to, there's nothing
0: they can
1: do. There's nothing they can do. And it's, it's like so bad to the point that like people are coming and they're trying to disprove it and they can't. They can't
0: disprove it, so see why I can't stand go children ghosts. Like this is why they're so freaky. Because they're always attached this to why- something bad. They are. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Yeah, children ghosts yeah. are freaking creepy. Mm-hmm. Yep, not cool, man. Not cool. But that's it. That's mm-hmm. my scary story for the week. Good gracious! At certain points of that story, man, I had goosebumps like two inches high on my arm. You gotta see. That was. I'm going to have to go watch some stuff. Oh
1: my gosh. You
0: so scary. Yeah. I'll have to make sure I do it during the daytime.
1: (laughs) Do it during the daytime. Don't watch. I watched it at like late last night (laughs) Mm -mm. because I was, I I wanted to see for real. Like I did all the reading and I did all the like website stuff and I Mm -hmm. cross referenced. And then I kept seeing that stupid person. And if, he's, if he ever listens to this, I apologize for calling you stupid, but you're stupid. Going in, <laughs> we're like, we're going to go into the Sally house and we're going to see if we can get Sally to come out and play. And I'm like, I'm sorry, did you see what
0: was what? happening to that dude? I don't know. And to, that's what they do, though. They go in and provoke these things because they want this, something yes. to happen. This is the same guy who was like, you can use my body. You too, so yeah, we were like, mmm, and moron they went to the Velisca axe murder house, and he literally propped the axe up on the wall and then laid down underneath it. Why is he an idiot? <laughs> what
1: know. would he have done if the, if the you know the entity there was like, oh okay, bam, and bludgeoned
0: him right on camera? Right on camera, he'd be dead. It'd be real gross. Yep, <sighs> they wouldn't have shown it to us, but. It would have been gross. Noun. Yeah. Well, we would have because they would have said <laughs> that he was bludgeoned to death in the axe murder house. So no more ghost adventures. But yeah, it's freaking scary, man. And the people who do these paranormal investigations and stuff mm-hmm. as a li- like for, for a living, mm-hmm. I can only imagine that they have stuff that's attached itself to them. Yeah. No through the process so they carry these things around yeah and i just don't want any part of that i don't mind talking about it and i'll even do like haunted ghost tours from time to time but i don't want to put myself in the line of something evil that could possess me or just attach itself to me and cause harm nope Uh, no nope that's just not fun to think about no one else Mm -hmm. can see this but look look at this Oh, God. It's these huge red claw marks down his stomach. Yep. And there are tons of them. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Yep.
1: Oh, wow. There.
0: Yep. Jeez. Okay. This is sound going to sound ridiculous, but he's kind of hot. He's like ripped, right? <laughs> oh, and then this is. A- yeah, he's got a really nice body, even though it's all scratched mm-hmm. up. That's her. That's the little That's girl. That's what he drew. Yeah.
1: She's adorable. So. That's freaking creepy I know it's
0: awful we'll share some of that on Instagram yeah I got some good links oh good lord have mercy now you
1: want to go bless your house right I know get the holy water and be like okay Mm -hmm. everything's
0: good out you demons (laughs) I cast you out my children will all leave (laughs) (laughs) oh side note so um, I bought the book the man from the train nice that i talked about last week and Mm -hmm. uh so far it's really good i haven't gotten super far because i can only read it in small doses right it's not one of those that i'll like lay in bed and read because it's really creepy but um i like the way that this guy writes because Mm -hmm. he'll talk about a certain murder that happened and then he'll say something like, and this is relevant because of this, but we'll talk about it later when we get to this. And so he's mm-hmm. like constantly telling you, like, I know it doesn't make sense now, but we're going to put all of the pieces together in this chapter. So, like, it, it I like how he writes. Well, that's um, awesome. I might have to check it out. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy because there were so many murders that took place from like 1907-ish to like 1913. Mm -hmm. And he's put all of them together along the train tracks. And so there's even like, there's murders that happened along the train tracks that he says were not this same man from the train because of different circumstances. But like, oh my God, like one that I just read, there was a family That was found where it was a husband and wife and then two hired hands and the three men were found under piles of hay outside the barn and the woman was found in the house. And they think what happened was the man hid in the barn Mm -hmm. until dusk and the first hired hand went out to do the evening chores and he killed him and hid him under the hay And then the second one went out to see what was taking so long. And he killed him and hid him under another pile of hay. And then the husband came out and like, what's going on? Killed him. And he knew from watching the house that there was only one person left in the house. And it was a woman. So he was able to go into the house and kill her. And she was found bludgeoned to death in an upstairs closet. And they think that she heard him coming and hid. Oh, my gosh. And, And he found her in there and killed her. Um, but it's just, oh, my God, the string of these bloody, bloody, bloody murders all along yeah. the train tracks over the course of several years. It's just yeah. crazy. Wow. And that is crazy. Like, just like Velisca, nothing was stolen. Mm-hmm. It was just murder for the sake of murder, just pure yeah. evil. Ugh. And it's also really interesting, too, because of the time period, you know, in the early 1900s the criminal justice system was not so great. Right. And so it was basically a mob mentality every time something like this would happen in these small towns. And the town would just decide who they thought was guilty. And they had quick justice. So they said within 120 days of the crime, they would have somebody that they thought was the murderer and they would Mm -hmm. hang him or put him in prison or whatever. So it's, it's sad to think about how many people were unjustly either killed or put in prison for the rest of their lives for a crime they didn't commit just because the mob mentality was like, we need somebody who did this. So we're going to say you did it. Yeah. And the and the criminal justice system didn't know how to investigate this stuff thoroughly enough. So these people were completely innocent. Yep. So they would pick somebody who like had a gambling habit and they would say, well, you're obviously not a good guy. So you had to have done this. Clearly a murderer. Clearly. Yeah. Like one guy they tried to pin it on, he had just painted his barn red the week before. And so they found his overalls with red paint and they said it was blood. It's like, you can't tell the difference between red paint and dried blood. Use your eyeballs. (laughs) Yeah, so it's just—I mean, it's really interesting because you get a lot of the history from yeah. that time and just how society was. Yeah, and then you know you dig into these to these murders that were so gruesome and the fact that they've all been unsolved for this long and yeah, it's awful. But yeah, really interesting read. <laughs> yeah, I can. But imagine. To, to counter that, I have another book upstairs that's like a happy, fun thing. <laughs> so I read that for like an hour before I go to sleep at night because. I just, mm mm. I can't. Yeah. I don't like the negative juju. No. <laughs> no bad juju for a good bed. I know.
1: I know. I don't normally do like ghost research right before I go to sleep because most mm-hmm. of them are tied to such sad stories.
0: I know. Or they're just scary, like this one you yeah, did. Scary. It's freaking yeah. scary, man. Yep. Mm-mm. It's terrifying I don't want to dream about it. Nope.
1: Wow. That's what I thought was coming in my room last night. <laughs> I know
0: all nights for your cats to go crazy. Like, are you kidding me? I don't understand. I hate these cats. That's awesome. They're sweet when they want to be, but they're terrifying. Like, hey, mom read ghost stories tonight, so let's play a trick. Yeah, like, what the heck? Oh my gosh. That's awesome. All right, guys. Well, like we said before, we're go- girls and ghouls everywhere on instagram facebook uh facebook group um our email girls and ghouls podcast at gmail.com we would love it if you would send us your creepy stuff scary stories anything weird and wonderful um we'd love to read it (laughs) weird and wonderful that's true weird and wonderful yep so uh stay spooky guys we'll (laughs) see you next week bye